Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and then verses 13 to 25. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Freedom. Take a ride down Minor Street and you'll notice they're setting up or they have set up for frontier days. Freedom. Fourth of July. The word freedom means different things to different people. When you're a teenager, freedom means I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Only when you become an adult, you realize that that really never happens, does it? When you're a new mom, freedom may be a whole night of sleep, or even just six hours in a row. If you have a toddler, freedom can mean an opportunity to go to the bathroom by yourself. (laughs) When you're in your 60s, freedom can mean that you no longer have to set an alarm every morning. And by the time you get to 70 or 75, freedom is a day or maybe just a few hours without something aching. In this country, we fight for freedom. The Revolutionary War was about freedom from British rule. The Civil War was about freedom from slavery. World War I and World War II were about freedom from dictators. 
the Gulf War, the conflicts in Afghanistan and Vietnam were all about freedom from communism or freedom from terrorism. As a nation, we have lost countless lives in our wars, and we have military personnel right this minute stationed all over the world, all in the name of freedom. And on Thursday, many of us will gather in backyards or at parks and will grill hamburgers and hot dogs and hope the potato salad doesn't have any salmonella growing in it. And then we'll watch parades and fireworks. But what does Paul mean when he talks about freedom? For freedom, Christ has set you free. What does that mean? And what is the yoke of slavery that Paul tells us to av avoid? We may remember that the Church of Galatia was at odds over the very important subject of circumcision, a subject which I know nothing about, and so we won't be talking about that today. <laughs> Suffice it to say, however, that some of the Jews who had become Christians had decided that in order for a Gentile to be a follower of Jesus, they first had to be circumcised. To sum it up, the Jews wanted the Gentiles to follow the same rules they had always followed. The attitude was similar to what we run up against when we hear someone say, oh, you kids, you have it so easy now. We were never allowed to get, take lunch off campus in high school. Or how come our new member class is only one Sunday? When I joined, you had to come for six Sundays. The old wants it to be the same as it is for the new. The same rules, the same rituals. But that is the yoke of slavery that Paul talks about. Paul reminds the new Christians in Galatia that Christ has set them free. As John Calvin, one of our ancient fathers of Presbyterianism, has spelled out for us, there are, in fact, three Christian freedoms. Freedom from the law, freedom for the law, and my personal favorite, freedom to be indifferent about indifferent things. The fancy word for that freedom is adiaphora, and you might want to remember it. So let's talk about adiaphora first. We're free to be indifferent about indifferent things. So what might the indifferent things be here at church? Hmm, maybe the color of the carpeting? Maybe it's whether or not the brass is positioned in front of the choir or down here. Maybe it's about whether or not we have coffee cake or donuts at coffee hour. Those are some of the things that are indifferent in church. Now, indifferent doesn't necessarily mean we don't have a strong opinion about it. Oh, we all have very strong opinions. But in reality, none of this affects the way we follow Jesus or the way we understand the grace of God. In fact, it should enhance the way we understand the grace of God because, really, some things are simply indifferent. Adiaphora. 
But let's get to the nitty gritty of what Paul is talking about. Freedom and John Calvin, freedom from the law, freedom for the law. We are fortunate we don't have to memorize and follow the 613 laws that are found in the Hebrew Bible. Christ has set us free. Let's all say amen. amen. We live by grace. We live under grace. We are bathed in the grace of God. That's part of what the waters of baptism are all about. The visible sign of the invisible grace and the water running down those babies' foreheads, cold or warm, is a sign of their freedom, of their being wrapped up in the body of Christ, bathed in the grace of Christ. Other things that we are freed from in terms of the law, we're freed by Christ to heal on the Sabbath day. Thanks be to God, if something happens today, you can go to the emergency room and there will be doctors there or the immediate care center. We can change money on the Sabbath day. The ATMs work and we will not go to hell if we get money out of the ATM today. We can shop and cook on Sunday. We don't always like it, but that is part of our freedom from the law. We can come to church and receive the sacrament of communion even, even if we are divorced. Freedom from the law, to live in freedom. Women can speak in the church. No kidding. <laughs> it's a little more confusing though when Paul starts to talk about being free from the law for the law. This is the rub in Christian freedom. We're not free to just go about our business and do whatever we want to do and say, well, I'm bathed in the grace of God and so everything's just fine and peachy. We are free to live without the law, to live in God's grace, so that we can live in obedience to the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives to us. Love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the law that we are free to live in. This is the law that guarantees our Christian freedom. The freedom which Paul talks about and the freedom to which we are all called as Christians does not leave us unencumbered. In fact, Christian freedom is messy and not necessarily even a straight path. There isn't always a clear division between black and white, right and wrong. Is the means to the end okay if the end is good? We are faced with tough questions when we live in Christian freedom. Paul is very clear that we are not to live immoral lives. He talks about the sins of the flesh. And he is very clear that authentic Christian living includes right behavior and right understandings. Beyond the list that Paul gives, which includes faction and envy and jealousy and anger and divisiveness, any of those sound familiar? How do we know we're living in freedom, for freedom? It's elemental in many ways. Christian freedom comes down to one test. 
Are we living, loving our neighbors? Are we living, loving our neighbors? Now, we all know that isn't as easy as it sounds. So what makes it possible to live in this beautiful Christian freedom that is all about loving God and loving neighbor? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, a gift of God to every believer, from the youngest to the oldest. A gift that comes from God even before we are able to fully recognize it. Those little girls receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in their baptism today. And that spirit is something that nothing can take away from them. Nothing. Now, does that mean that they won't have trouble or hard decisions? Does that mean they won't be mouthy teenagers and push some boundaries? Sorry, folks, doesn't mean that. And God help us, but does that mean they won't succumb to the temptations of the world? Bullying on social media, involvement with drugs and alcohol, hanging out with the wrong kinds of people? It doesn't mean any of those things. What it means is that in spite of those things, they're bathed in the Holy Spirit, living by the grace of God. But because we are free in Christ, we are free to make choices. We choose how much we allow the Holy Spirit to govern, govern our hearts and our minds. We choose who to follow and how far we are willing to follow. That is what freedom for freedom is all about. Hard choices, messy choices. The closer we grow to the Holy Spirit, the more we allow the Spirit to dominate our lives, the more we are transformed as individuals. And the more we are transformed as individuals, the more we can live in transforming ways with other people. It is God's Spirit that loves us into this new life and abundant life and ultimately everlasting life. It is God's spirit that creates in us a desire to give to others, to love others out of the freedom that we have been given. Not because we have to love others, not because we even agree with them, and not because they look like us, but simply because we have been invited in freedom to love our neighbor, all of our neighbors. As spiritual people, we are not allowed to retreat from our messy, mixed up, and broken world. We engage that world. In Romans, Paul writes, we are to live in the world, but not be of the world. We engage as people freed from the law, living in a connection to the Holy Spirit, to love others. And whether we are Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or Independent, we are invited to love all others, and perhaps most importantly of all, to put that love into action. Understanding what Christ has done for us, the grace in which we live, we engage our neighbors in acts of love. Now, I risk making some of you angry this morning, but I'm willing to take that risk. Because some of those we are called to love as neighbors are at our southern borders. Children have been separated from parents and grandparents. 
Many of us saw that horrific picture on the news of the father and daughter drowned in the Rio Grande trying to get across to freedom. And we can argue six ways to Sunday about what we are supposed to do about immigration in this country. But what we cannot argue about is that we are called in our freedom to love these people, to care for all people, to act with compassion even to the stranger in our midst. They are children of God before they are refugees or illegals or aliens or lawbreakers. They are children of God. They are the neighbors, the very neighbors that we are called in freedom to love. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of bondage. So what is our yoke of bondage? What is mine? What is yours? Our political opinions can become yokes of bondage. Our financial obligations can be yokes of bondage. Our worry about our own financial future can be a yoke of bondage. Our social conscience can be a yoke of bondage. Our ideas about how people make it in this world, do they pull themselves up by their bootstraps or are we here to help them? That can be a yoke of bondage. Our own ideas of right and wrong and consequences can be a yoke of bondage. Jesus says, let go of your yoke. Let go of your yoke of bondage. Do not submit again to slavery, but take my yoke, because my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Live in my freedom. Love your neighbor. It is that easy. It is that hard. The Galatians lived in this place of te tension. There were things that they had always taken for granted, like circumcision. It just happened on the eighth day, ever since God made the covenant with Abraham. What do you mean saying these new Gentiles don't have to be circumcised? How were they supposed to let that go? the traditions and rituals and worship practices of, of being a follower of Jesus were not yet established. They didn't know what these rituals that we're so familiar with were. And so they were hanging on to the old because otherwise they felt unbalanced and afraid. We're not unlike those first Gentile Christians in Galatia. We live in a time where a lot of things are changing in a great big hurry. And Things we took for granted are shifting. And many of our cherished beliefs and customs and traditions are being questioned in church as well as in our surrounding culture. It feels scary. It is scary. But Paul says that followers of Jesus are not to run away from the scary parts. We're not to live in fear, but we live in freedom. We're to live in the world guided by the Holy Spirit, producing fruits of love, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, 
and generosity. And it's really okay that Emery's crying a little bit because those are hard things to live by. And she just got touched by the Holy Spirit. We are to live into our Christian freedom, guided and taught by the Holy Spirit. We are invited to embrace the freedom that can sometimes feel like danger. Because what if, what if God asks us to do something that's not part of our plan? What if, for example, one of us suddenly feels called to minister at the border? What if one of us is pushed or called or invited by God to open our home to someone from a foreign country? What if we're urged to move and live in another community? Just this week, I got emails from three people who are moving from this community. That's scary. Because, see, I'm supposed to be in Louisville right now, and I'm supposed to have two or three grandchildren. That was my plan. <laughs> the Holy Spirit had a different plan. The Holy Spirit called me here. I don't know what's happening with the grandchildren. I can't speak to that. But I know the Holy Spirit called me here. And so here I am. So what if the Spirit guides us to something different than what we have planned for ourselves? The fear of change can be our bondage. And when we live in bondage, we do not live in freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free, brothers and sisters. Take the lighter burden, the easier yoke. Live into the messy realities of our world with the transformational love that is made possible by the Holy Spirit. We are called, we are claimed in freedom, for freedom, to love as God loves us. It's that easy and it's that hard. May it be so for you and for me, for our church and for our community. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.